When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've had uh, uh, one one person coming on later who asked me if he needed to bother to get dressed. I'm not sure what he. Well, you know, you have to start wearing pants anyway, so it's it's. You know. I always wear pants, Joe. I always wear pants. Uh, anyway, Hannah, Hannah, thank you so much for uh, for coming on. Um, thank you for having uh, Joe and I. But yes, no, and uh, Joe and I, Joe and I, have both seen the film, um, enjoyed it very much. Uh, Hannah. I guess we'll, we'll just jump into it. Um, That's where we've already jumped. <laughs> we have already jumped. I know. This is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. We've got uh, Hannah Marks here. The um, she is the star and co-writer of a new film that's opening. Oh shoot! I, we never do notes here. When when is it opening, Hannah? Uh, this Friday, April. March twenty-seven. Oh, this Friday. Okay, it will be it will be open because um, this will come out right after that. Um, uh, Banana Split, which Hannah stars in and co-wrote. It is. Um, you know, if you listen to the show, you have a vague sense of the kind of stuff I tend to go for. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, but, but the is thing is, I just, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it ain't that. There's not a lot of shooting and killing and uh, stuff, but um, hardly any, actually. <laughs> hardly any. I know. I know. It's, uh, uh, but it's a delightful, delightful comedy. It's um, beautifully observed. I, I won't, I won't, say what my favorite thing about it is because it would mean giving away the ending but you do something in the end that just was so impressive to me and so so wonderful and affirming and and uh you know as as someone who grew up kind of during um a wave of uh feminist films that came out in the 70s um that often failed to live up to their promise uh Shit, I can't even really talk about what the thing is that I love at the end of your movie without ruining it, so I won't. But it's a terrific movie. It's a, it's a, it's a girls' friendship movie, and, and yes, the girls are, are, both, are both terrific. You and and, and your host, and and your sister. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that <laughs> because obviously I know there's people out there where this wouldn't be their type of movie. So the fact that you guys watched is really awesome. I so appreciate it. No, it's fantastic. I mean, a good a good movie is a is a rare thing, and uh, also a good movie is a good movie. You know, exactly. Um, yes. Uh, checking out who you guys typically interview, and I'm now understanding that you are both very uh, into genre genre movies. Uh we we can be. We tend to skew that way a bit, but we're uh, we 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 go it's all over the place. Them. Yeah, it's it's so cool though. I mean, I noticed uh, Elijah Wood, who's a dear friend of mine and I, I love everything that um Spectre Vision makes. So I thought that was really Yes. Cool. Uh yeah, no, those guys are fun. But but really the whole point is to sort of get to um a kind of different way of understanding our guests through the movies that have kind of inspired them over the years. Um and you said you want to talk about comedies. 
I do, but now I feel bad because now I fully understand <laughs> what you guys like. No, no, we've done comedies. We can do comedies. Oh my God. Yeah. No, no. We we're we're yeah, please. I mean, we're we're trying to branch out. You have to understand one of the tough things about uh what what we do and with with guests is you know the I mean, first of all, the movie world itself has been dominated by men for so long. And then the kind of movie nerd culture was dominated by men for so long um, that uh, there have been times when we've approached um, women filmmakers where I think they're, I think they, they think that we're going to start grilling them on Orson Welles or something, which is (laughs) not even remotely what we want. We're trying to get free of all that. We're trying to get people to, you know, appreciate and understand the fact that there's just a huge, wide variety of film out there and that everybody comes to it their own way and loves it in their own way and thinks about it their own way. My um, favorite thing in the world is talking about movies. So I'm I'm thrilled. <laughs> fantastic. Well, then you've come to the right place. <laughs> you guys have uh, both have such great voices for this. I feel like I'm now aware of my own speaking. Oh, well, thank you. Um, you have a lovely voice. Well, you know, you do have to speak every now and then as an actress, I would think. Yeah, that's that's true. I just, uh, I want to have a really nice, calm, like raspy, soothing voice, and I just don't have that. <laughs> um, well, you should. It comes with age. <laughs> and you could also, you could also, I, I think we've talked about this before, my, my wife and I have been plowing through the um, entirety of The Sopranos the last few weeks. Uh, in preparation for the, we started before the quarantine, but now it's perfect. I'm um, on season two, so I've got I've got a little more to go. I'm excited. Ah, yes, you do. Uh, well, Lauren Bacall shows up in a season six episode, and um, I'm just reminded of what a what a wonderful thing cigarettes used to be for oh, women, yeah, women's voices. Everything um, to that great raspy voice. It's just it's. <laughs> you guys hear that whole drama over. Um, this is a bit of a, a detour, but uh, over Steven Spielberg using cigarettes in West Side Story and whether or not that's going to be okay for Disney. Well, oh, no, I had. I, 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 that's a that's a Disney issue, you know, uh, particularly. And but uh, you know, you remember when on ET he when he re released ET he took the guns out of the cops' hands and put uh, walkie talkies in instead. Yes, he, he, he has. Yeah. Yeah, he did, uh, but that his that is now obsolete, and he has walked that back, and that's not the version of the picture that's out anymore. But you know, uh, movies for children are particularly susceptible to people overreacting to things, and it's it's yeah. like it's like World War Two movies where nobody smokes, and it's it's just it's almost impossible to do a, a serious World War Two movie and not have people smoke. And in uh, Pearl Harbor, I think it was they they had FDR didn't even smoke. And he was notorious for um, this thing hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> so, you know, people can just overreact. I think that if he's having them smoke, uh, it's it's a period picture and they should smoke. Yeah. Why tell the story if you're not going to tell it honestly? Yeah. That actually reminds me of, um, this wasn't even meant to be a cheesy segue, but that does remind me of one of the movies on my list, which is big. Wow. What, what a cheesy segue. For Josh Baskin, life was a little unfair. Until he made a little wish. I wish I were big. Sweetheart, it's 7:30. Are you up? Josh! 
20th Century Fox presents Tom Hanks. Big. I turned into a grown-up, Mom. I made this wish on a machine, and it turned me into a grown-up. So now what? You get a job. You cannot get a job. Well, the segue is that my parents, every time I watched it, they would cover my eyes or fast forward in the part when, uh, when he touches her boob. that's definitely an example of you know the overreaction you're talking about when it comes to families and children seeing movies say have your parents seen banana split i know (laughs) (laughs) i know (laughs) but it reminded me of what you were saying uh yeah i didn't even mean to have the cheesy segue i swear that's a fantastic segue. Do you want to show we show we segue fully into big? Is that a oh she planned it? You know she planned it. She did. She planned it. Well, she's a writer too, Joe. That's the exactly. Key. She's written this entire thing and she's reading it. She gets structure and transitions and ebbs and flows. It's uh but yeah, I do want to jump only writer director here. I mean, come on. Yeah, no, you're you're uh you've 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 done it all. Holy cow. Um well, have you guys seen big? <laughs> I think we were sentient when that one came out. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Sometimes people just miss something. I don't know. I think it's uh, I think it's one of the greatest of all time. I love Penny Marshall. Yeah. Yeah. No, she was she was great. Um it's a lovely film. Yeah, it's like I saw it in theaters. Um what what year is that, Joe? That's that's, that's well that's the, it had to be nineteen eighty nine because I was shooting the burbs and Tom had to leave to go uh to the Academy Awards. Oh wow. Mm. <laughs> that's a heck of a way to remember the year. Yeah. That's how I remember. <laughs> it's such a great performance from him. It's uh it's pretty remarkable how he's able to to capture that youthful energy and be able to play, um, yeah, just being able to play that age at, you know, 30 or whatever he was, is pretty remarkable. He has so much fun. You watch him having, you know, so much joy throughout the whole movie. Yeah, no, it's lovely. But isn't that, isn't that a thing I've, I've always felt it's not original to me, but that most artists have to be able to maintain some kind of connection to their inner child or you can't, do the ridiculous shit that we do. The good ones, definitely. I also yeah. think that movie has one of the all-time best apartments. <laughs> oh, the who whose apartment? His? His. His big apartment no, has with the trampoline and the bunk beds and the right. <laughs> I, I mean that he skateboards through it and he has these views of the city. I mean, I remember seeing that movie and thinking like, oh, being an adult sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> And then you find out the truth. Yeah, yeah. You don't get to, uh, yeah, meet Elizabeth Perkins and all that. <laughs> but she was so she was so great in that too. It's just all around just such a lovely movie. It's one of those movies that feels like it's perfect from beginning to end. Like him nibbling on the the little the miniature corn on the cob. <laughs> Everything mm-hmm. about it is so iconic to me. And of course the the floor piano. Oh yeah. At uh, at. Um... F.A.O. Schwartz. F.A.O. Schwartz, right. I don't even know if F.A.O. Schwartz is there anymore. No, it's not. It's gone? Yeah, it's gone for a long time. Did not know that. Because I know for a while you could you could go do that. You could go jump on the piano. Yeah, I went and did it when I was 15 and I first went to New York. That was like the first the first stop. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. uh, where were you from? Yeah. I'm from L.A. Oh, okay. Time. All right. 
So you're, you're out here. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Yeah, no, Biggs lovely. And I feel like didn't they beyond just the touching the boob, didn't didn't they 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 caught some heat for the um yeah, uh, off camera sexuality of the film. It's I mean it's pretty perverted when you think about it. It's sick yeah. in that kind of back to the future way. Um, <laughs> yes. Where but in, in Back to the Future it's unconsummated. In back oh, interesting. Yeah, but in Back to the Future, it's still that's weird. It's like a story about a kid wanting to fuck his mom. I mean, yes. Uh, John Mulaney has a really good bit where he kind of breaks it down and how weird it is that that movie even got made. Uh, obviously, <laughs> it's a great movie. I love the movie, but it's sure. really funny how some of our favorites, when you when you dive deep, you you notice <laughs> all the weird things about them. <laughs> no, I think I think we call that subversive. Yeah. Yes. Very subversive. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm so, I'm so glad I rewatched the movie later and learned what happened between Tom Hanks and Elizabeth Perkins because I had no idea. That's one of the exciting <laughs> things about movies: seeing them at different ages, you, you discover new things. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, the things that they do after they fade out. Yes. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I remember at the time thinking this is. It's just an interesting thing that that if it had been about a woman or you know a ten year old girl becoming a woman, I'm I'm guessing they would not have gone the same route. It would have been a much darker story. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think it would have worked. It would not have been as funny. That's for sure. Uh, that's one of those movies where gender is really important. I mean, we talk all the time about you know not seeing gender or you know flipping gender roles or whatever. But I do think uh, gender can play such an important part in the story that um, is getting lost in the conversation now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, it's interesting in your film, and I promise you we won't talk about your work much because we, we don't do that here. <laughs> but but I like there's... Please don't ask me anything about myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, I just thought it was really interesting the way you... you um, you gave the two the two guys a moment sort of similar to what the two women were experiencing in the film and and you got a sense of sort of how how different men and women are about those kind of friendships that was really nice i love writing scenes like that um where you have two guys doing one thing and then you show two girls doing the exact same thing and then comparing and contrasting how they deal with it and what their perspective yeah and how it's shifting um i just made it uh a movie about an open relationship. And a lot of times you see the girls and, uh, and her friends talking about the same thing that the guys and his friends are talking about, but kind of uh, reversing what you would typically think that they would be talking about. Like the guy really wants to lose weight and the girl doesn't think about that at all. So it's fun, <laughs> it's fun switching things around and, and, and playing with the topic. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, but, Big, big's great. What else you got? Big's Give us great. another one. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder. What is his name exactly? There's a man. I'm coming, man. Don't you die on me, Foley. I'm sorry. Can we cut? What is going on here? Hey, I'm about to jump off this, this helicopter like Wesley Snipes. I'm doing the scene right now. Wesley, I'm in the it. scene is about emotionality. Where is it? Oh, God. I am dealing with a bunch of prima donnas. The action guy who left the fridge open. 
The award winner. Critically acclaimed Australian actor Kirk Lazarus underwent a controversial procedure in order to play the platoon's African-American sergeant. I know who I am. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. The comedian. You think you can do what I do? Take a picture of this. This summer. You want to make this movie right? We take those boys up there, put them in the trees. Shoot the whole thing gorilla style. Real fear in the right. Real emotion. Yes, yes. The movie they think they're making. Exterior, rainforest, dust. Cut to a frightening jungle. Isn't a movie anymore. Jungle and Matrix. So what? This feels pretty real. Exactly. Let's use it. Tropic Thunder, that's such a good one. I, I think it's also probably a perfect movie. Uh, so bold, so risky, like took a lot of uh, big swings. All the performances are really committed. Yeah, yeah. that movie blew my mind when I saw it in theaters. I think the Robert Downey character is still blowing people's minds. Yes. Yeah, I mean. The Amazing fact, that they pulled that off. The fact that they pulled that off is insane. I can't, I, that's so scary to take that on i i can't believe he did it and he did it so masterfully i mean it it, that movie's crazy and i love all those trailers in the beginning that really set up who each Mm -hmm. person is that that was such a good parody uh i love ben stiller i think he's there's a um I know you you may not have seen it, but Joe, Joe i'm sure you saw remember the tv series that our friend Ileana douglas was on in the 90s called action Oh yeah, um, <laughs> highly, highly recommended. It didn't last long, but it was very- not last long. It was on Fox, I think, and it was a comedy with Jay Moore, basically playing a Joel Silver type producer in Hollywood, and it was incredibly, it, it was transgressive as hell and and wasn't perverse. Buddy, and- wasn't Buddy Hackett his chauffeur or something? That's right, Buddy Hackett was his chauffeur. <laughs> Ileana Douglas plays a hooker that he ends up making a studio, uh, a development exec. Um, because she's better at it than anybody else. It's called and action. um it's called action. Yeah, you can you can probably streaming somewhere, it's on DVD. It's probably on uh, Amazon. but there was it's probably on Amazon Prime. They seem to have everything. I'm sure here it'll even um in that that uh it was a Scorsese movie. Um was it Cape Fear that she was in? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's so good in it and unexpected and fantastic. I mean, she has a hard role in that movie, which is awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah, we we love her. We've had her on a couple times. I love her too. She just has such a striking face. I think that's so important in an actor. As much as I I hate to say it, um, I think you know someone's face and their their eyes are just so important to what the performance is. Oh yeah, oh very much so. Um, But the uh, there was a character kind of similar to the one Tom Cruise plays in Tropic Thunder, played by an actor, and I was just looking him up, Lee Ehrenberg. and it's a very if you if you like Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder, you should check out Action because it's a very similar character. He's got a lot more kind of uh, oh, insane business. Yeah, I think. But, what, I totally forgot about the Tom Cruise element to the movie. That is so good. I, I remember that was really a surprising moment for people watching that movie, seeing him. Yes. That. I also heard that he's um, he's doing a quibbing show, playing that character. Really? Oh, right. I, yes, I had heard that. I, I hope it's That's true. a very clever idea. Yeah, it's so clever. I love it. Um, I mean, I, I feel uh, even embarrassed to bring up Tropic Thunder because it's so like show busy or inside baseball or whatever, but it's such a good movie and it's 
so well yeah. done and the scope of it is so large for a comedy. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's also, it's just that weird thing too where um, anytime you try to do anything in this business about this business, everybody goes, oh, you can't, nobody wants to see anything about the business. And then- And then someone does invariably, it. <laughs> yeah, until they do it well and it makes a fortune. It's like, but but they never seem to factor that in. It's always, it's always just this thing you should not do. Um, which is bizarre because people actually do find our business fairly interesting, I think, in ways that. Yeah, it's called you entertainment know. for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, let's see. Oh, I saw. Uh, I also just started listening to the Bill Hader episode you did. And I just remembered uh, uh, Bill Hader oh. uh, is in Tropic Thunder as well. I think he gets slapped. Oh, my God. Is he in Tropic Thunder? Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. He gets slapped in the face. Tom Cruise says over Skype, he says, someone slap him. And like a PA goes. Oh, right. <laughs> it's so I just, I don't think of him. I feel. Oh. So weird. He, he feels like somebody who sort of just arrived fully formed a couple of years ago. But of course, he's been around for. Yeah, he's been in everything. He has these memorable scenes in so many comedies. And Danny McBride, too. Danny McBride. Yeah. Really good in it. Everyone, yeah. Yeah, he's great in that. That's right. Because he, he was just sort of starting out at that point. Um, it was short, wasn't that like his first big movie after Foot Fist Way or? Uh, probably it was early, early on. He presses those uh, those buttons uh, from this big controller. He presses buttons and he goes, "Mother Nature just shit her pants," and then all yes. the things <laughs> happen, and it's so good. He just pulls it off effortlessly. Did you see the Righteous Gemstones? Oh God, yes. Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, I'm gonna, I, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a giant fan of Walton Goggins. I'll follow him anywhere in anything. He's, uh, he's so good. <laughs> I was just thinking about, um, there's this new documentary on Netflix or it's a doc series called Tiger King. Oh, are you watching that? Yeah, I, I watched it all in one sitting yesterday because, you know, we're all <laughs> quarantined, but I kept thinking that Walton Goggins would be really good at doing, uh, the, like a movie version of those characters. He's one of the uh, sure. just picture um, taking on like a really bold, weird character. There's not that many actors, I think, that can pull that off. How how was that? Tiger King first. <laughs> yeah, how was that show? Is it is it does it sustain the the full whatever it is six seven hours? Oh yeah, it's it's crazy addicting. I mean, I literally sat and watched it in one sitting. I Fantastic. did not move for seven hours. It was crazy. Um, yeah, my knees hurt at the end. Um, it's really good. <laughs> uh, it's it's next after we finish Sopranos, I think. But uh, starting better things. If you guys have seen that show, the Pamela Adlon show, it's pretty good. Oh, I have still never. I I'm, I'm a fan of hers. I have not seen a show. I hear it's terrific. It's great. Um, okay, best in show. Live from Philadelphia, it's the 125th annual Mayflower Kennel Club Dog Show. Three thousand dogs competing for best in show. To think that in some countries these dogs are eaten. Cookie and I work as a team. We met at this dance. He didn't want to dance. I got two left feet. <laughs> I thought he was kidding. But I wasn't. I was born with two left feet. Beatrice has been showing signs of depression. Ever since she saw us having sex, what would you like to say to Beatrice right now? Sorry, you had to see that. Joe is another good one. Fantastic. Can watch it over and over. Um, Josh, you are fully green on my end. For some reason, you... I'm green? 
Yeah, you're. No, he was he was green for me a little while too, but now he's back. Yeah, yeah, you're back now. I'm I'm bright red on my screen. I don't know. It's, uh... <laughs> you are you are pixelating for a while. I am pixelating. None, none of this means anything, of course, to the listeners. I know the <laughs> listeners are going, what are they talking? Um, yeah, I you know the thing. I, so I love Christopher Guest. I love those movies. Best in Show is hilarious. That's the first one I remember watching, thinking, "I bet you a real documentary about the real people who do this would be just as funny." Totally, I bet it. They would be just as weird, if not weirder. Yeah, yeah, that was sort of the one moment where I thought, like, maybe, maybe the reality eclipses art in one of these things. Uh, I just, I love that movie because of how rewatchable it is, and sure, uh, and the cast is so good, of course. But I'm a huge dog lover, like bordering on a, you know, obsessed. I have four dogs, so uh, I feel a deep connection to that movie. <laughs> and uh, like Parker Posey when she goes uh, into the store looking for the exact toy that her dog needs with tears in her eyes i mean she's amazing i always yeah. wondered if there's if there are outtakes on those pictures that they should be putting onto the dvds i mean you, you, yeah. the amount of the amount of footage they must shoot in order to get yeah. what they get you know there must be a lot of things that work or don't work or and, and and i'm sure the rough cuts are like four hours long yeah and the runtime is is pretty tight if i remember correctly so well they're, yeah. they're they're pretty good yeah, at that i mean they, they left out Oh yeah, but yeah. The, but I think that the the bromide that good comedies are better shorter uh, is is well understood by Chris Guest. Yeah. Oh yeah, I anything I I make and you know I, I haven't made as many movies as you guys, of course, but anything I've made so far, I've tried to keep under ninety minutes. Uh, I just I like the critics of the world. Thank you. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's I, I'm surprised they don't. Do, I, I remember on. Um, uh on a spinal tap um there was a there was a great criterion laser disc of it <sighs> hannah should i do i need to explain laser disc to you you're before i don't know what laser disc is i've heard of i've heard it but i don't know uh, well there's no so reason in the world have you heard of have you heard of dvds do you remember yes, dvds that was <laughs> laser discs were like really big dvds that didn't look half as good but they were better than vhs but they did a really deluxe box set of Spinal Tap, and it had tons. I remember getting it just for this. It had tons of outtakes, and and you know because they shot. I mean, the, the shooting ratio in that movie was insane. And there's some incredibly so hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so good. And what's amazing though is they would have scenes that are as good as anything in the film that they had cut because they realized after they'd done them, there's no way an actual rock band would allow this scene to be in their documentary. And they wanted oh, wow. to maintain that total sense of plausibility the whole time where they never shatter the, the illusion, which is why... A major amount of restraint. That's actually shocking to hear that there was that much restraint yeah. involved in... Well, it was a different time. Yeah. <laughs> but there were, yeah, like there's scenes with them doing drugs with Bruno Kirby that are absolutely hysterical. But yeah, the band wouldn't have allowed that. And you know there are people to this day who think Spinal Tap was a real band, and that's a real doc. So I know that's why it works. <laughs> I guess it's great for the special features. I mean, sure, it gave some good content for that. I I kind of yeah. like all these behind the scenes featurettes that are happening. I mean, I like them. The filmmaker side of me and the actor side of me likes them, but then it also upsets me at the same time because I do kind of want to keep everything 
you know, a mystery. A mystery. Like part of the- yes. No, the, the, the Ray Harry has an approach. Don't tell the kids how I'm doing this. And because if I, if they know they won't appreciate it as much, I, I think there's some truth to that. I also yeah. think it's fun. That's why it's fun to watch movies sometimes where you haven't heard of any of the actors or seen any of the actors before, because you can really believe it and get into the story. Sometimes it's hard for me, like watching Nicole Kidman be, you know, whoever just because i'm like i know that's nicole kidman and i've seen her my whole life and she's wonderful she's right. incredible but i've seen her my whole life so it's hard hard to believe her as diane arbus or whatever and it's not her yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no absolutely that is i guess sort of the downside to well, what was the one where she had the big nose oh uh the hours was it the hours? yeah yeah. Well, the hours. That and was, all you could do is look at the nose. Well, that's it's a problem, you know. I mean, if, if you if you got a character who is obviously got prosthetics on, in a way that you just can't get a, you just can't get beyond that. It's very difficult right. to get into what they're trying to do. That's how I felt yeah. about uh, yeah. Black Mass with Johnny Depp. Um, and I apologize if either of you were involved in any movie that I. Nope. Not that I'm bashing, but, you know, it was hard with Black Mass because Johnny Depp uh, had the big blue contacts on the whole movie. That, they were really disconcerting. They, um, why, it's also like, yeah. why? why? No, we don't need him to have blue eyes for us to watch this movie. It doesn't, it doesn't make any yep. sense. Maybe he needed to have blue eyes. Yeah. I have to have blue eyes. I see this character as blue-eyed. Years yeah. of working with Tim Burton. He wanted colored <laughs> contacts for sure. Uh, yeah, he couldn't just go on and be himself. It was very. Uh, that was I. I gotta say, with Irishman, the thing that threw me out the most was not the aging stuff. It was it was De Niro's eyes. Right, totally. That's how I feel when you watch a bad wig in a movie. I mean, yeah. it's never worth it. Was the wig worth it? You know. Yeah. <laughs> can you always notice the close-ups are framed like that? Sorry, I know this is a podcast and no one can see my hands, but the close-ups are always <laughs> can't see this part of the head. Uh, yeah, it drives me nuts. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yes, no, I'm I'm with you. My my wife, it's one of her, her bad wigs are like her kryptonite in a movie. They just throw her out of a film for the entire duration. Yeah, <laughs> it, it makes me crazy. And then and then she has to share it with me every time the character goes, look at that wig. I'm like, I heard you the first time. I know. I <laughs> I'm know trying it. not to notice. Your wife and I are definitely ruining movies for everyone with that complaint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well. It's okay. Okay. Should I? Okay. Well, we'll actually I have one last thing to say about Bust and Show, uh, which is Jennifer Coolidge. Um, yeah, oh yeah, he's so amazing. And my mom and I to this day still quote that scene where she's with her husband because she's definitely um, a gold digger in it with the older husband. And she talks about how much they have in common. And she says, "We both like soup. We could talk and not talk for hours. And we both love soup." You know, she just goes on like that. <laughs> just one of the best scenes ever. And I still quote that to this day so i just had to give that a special shout out she's fantastic <laughs> yeah she is fantastic yes. i love that we could talk and not talk for hours so funny <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it's a good one fantastic what's what's next okay. what do you have for us now? i have well there's so many i i couldn't come up with just 10 so i'll just pick it Uh-oh. Them. okay but, I don't know if you guys have seen this one. Hopefully you have. Uh, Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. Of course, yes. Not for a while, though. 
Remember the prom? You got so thin by then. I was so lucky getting mono. That was like the best diet ever. Meet Romy and Michelle. Remember that time I barfed from really bad Mexican food? So gross. I hate throwing up in public. Oh, me too. Oh. They walk the walk. God, this underwear is totally riding up my butt. <laughs> they talk the talk. Romy, did you lose weight? Oh. All I've had to eat for the past six days are gummy bears, jelly beans, and candy corn. God, I wish I had your discipline. But at their high school reunion... Are you going? I'd rather put this out in my right eye. Um, okay. <laughs> they'll be in a class by themselves. We can go to the reunion and just pretend to be successful. Oh, my God. That is, I mean, we don't, I know it's probably hard to talk about it if you haven't seen it since then, but it's so good. Lisa Kudrow and uh, Mira Sorvino. And Mira Sorvino, yeah. They are awesome. I, oh, that makes perfect sense, by the way. It's a great Great girl friendship film. Totally. It? I love the part they're weighing themselves. There's a scene where they're weighing themselves and they say, you deduct the 16 pounds for your shoes? <laughs> <laughs> that movie makes me laugh till I cry. Do you, do you go back to it and revisit it? Oh, yeah. That's definitely one yeah. of my, my biggest uh, crimes. I love to rewatch movies over and over and over again instead of going and watching new ones. Yeah. No, have, we all have that. Yeah. Yes. My comfort movies. That's why I wanted to talk to you guys about comedies because those are the ones I can go back to and watch a million times. Right, right. Put you in that. By the way, a good time for it, too, considering the uh, the circumstance we all find ourselves in right now. I think. Um, yeah, I really don't like to be in a heavy mindset when I'm watching something. I want to enjoy it and, and laugh. Yeah. Uh, awesome. I guess I feel bad about that. I should probably be watching more movies on war or something. But. No. <laughs> no. Not necessarily. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Do you guys have, remember anything from that movie or is it too long ago? I just, oh my God. <laughs> I I think I can access some of the. Uh, I just remember them being charming as hell. That was kind of the big takeaway for me. Well, I know for, um, for me, if I haven't seen a movie a lot of times, it's hard for me to remember things from it. And um, a lot of times, I just remember the way the movie made me feel, but I don't remember sure. any specifics. Um, yeah, I I find as uh, as I get older and have seen more that more and more of them vanish into the haze of my memory, which. Is frustrating, but it also means going back to them is a lot more fun. Yeah, um, yeah, I can, I can, I can watch mysteries and not remember who did it. You know, right. yeah. totally. <laughs> and it was just gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so. I, the part I'm looking forward to is when you can't even remember your own work, and you get to go back and see it like it's new again, and actually find out whether or not you like it. I think that's called Alzheimer's. It could be. <laughs> Well, no, that's exciting to be far away enough from it where you can actually watch it like an audience member. Uh, well, isn't that the thing? Isn't there just part of you that just like, you know, you you put everything you've got into these things. Yeah. And really, at the end of the day, the thing you want most out of it is to be able to sit in an audience and experience it for the first time. I don't, is that possible? Which, of course, you can't do. Yeah. <laughs> we never get to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wish I had that. I definitely, anything I've made, I watch and I just see, you know, everything that went into it, every failed take, every, you know, right. whatever issue that arose. It's not just you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, yeah. not alone in that. Yeah, it drives me nuts. I, I want to enjoy it. I want to be proud of something, but it's it's hard to not talk about your work with like a million caveats. 
Like, oh, well, that yeah. we only had time for one take or whatever. Right. No one else is going to watch it with that in mind. So, so yeah, uh, definitely a learning experience and uh, let, letting go and having acceptance <laughs> and in, learning to enjoy the process of making something because afterwards it's done. And I, that's really what I'm working on, just wanting to enjoy the work as you're making it. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Well, that's why you have to fight for it while you're doing it and, and, and not let people talk you into making changes that you don't really believe in. Because in the end, you're going to look at this thing and it's always going to be like that. And you're always going to regret not standing up for whatever it is that, you know, you go to a preview and somebody sneezes or goes to the, or someone goes to the bathroom in the middle of the scene that the studio is most upset about. And they say, see, somebody went to the bathroom. Obviously, you've got to take the scene out. You know, and, and and so if you if you do, it'll always be gone, and and so you really have to sort of um, stick to your guns about it. Yeah, I just yeah. Uh, that was why I just made this uh, this little movie uh, last month. I made with my friends for you know such a small amount of money, but the whole point of it was to just have no one controlling it, to get final cut, to. Um, you know, take risks and um, operate with the freedom of knowing that you're not risking uh, too much money. And it was such a blast. I mean, it was the most freeing experience I've had making anything. There was no one to say no to anything. It was, mm -hmm. I mean, it was a dream come true getting to do that. But it's hard to, it's hard to get to accomplish that with a, any kind of uh, budget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was this a feature? Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Uh, pretty fun. And is this coming out with a title and everything? Yeah, it's called Mark, Mary, and some other people. But we just we just wrapped literally last month. But it's another movie with a ton of sex in it. My parents want to see. And then we'll probably talk about it when I next talk to you guys. <laughs> parents seen that? <laughs> another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Cool. What's, what's next? Okay, let's see. Um... Well, I guess this wasn't this one isn't a um comedy in the classic sense, but Inglorious Bastards. Ten hut! I'm putting together a special team. We're gonna be doing one thing and one thing only. Killing Nazis. Sound good? Yes, sir! I'm gonna assume you know who we are. Everybody in the German army's heard of you. You probably heard we ain't in the prisoner taking business. We in the killing Nazi business. And cousin, business is a booming. <laughs> if you ever want to eat a sauerkraut sandwich again, take your wiener schnitzel leg and finger and point out on this map what I want to know. I respectfully refuse. Hey, Donnie. God's German here wants to die the country. Oblige him. I think it's funny. I mean, I think it's, it's one of his funnier movies at least to me i guess jackie brown is super funny too but the whole sure. part with um brad pitt pretending to be italian in the movie theater the gorla yeah. <laughs> all that stuff i think it's some of his funniest writing i love that movie deeply 
Did you see the new one? Uh, I did. Yeah, I've seen it two or three times. I really liked it. Mm. Yeah, me too. It's not my favorite of his movies, but I thought it was great. What's do you guys have it's, a favorite Tarantino movie? Mine, mine might be that one. Uh, yeah, I, I that that might be too. And I I didn't like it the first time I saw it. I didn't dislike it. I was just kind of. It's a masterpiece, non, I think. I think, and it gets better each time you watch it. Yeah, I just somehow the second time I saw it, and it was just funny how I came to see it again. I ended up just absolutely loving it. I think it was because I had I brought no expectations to it the second time. Because it's kind of a movie that just meanders a lot, and I enjoyed the meandering a lot more the second time. Expectations um, are everything with movie watching. It's so much better to go in not knowing anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although sometimes that can screw you up. I, I also, you know, Big Lebowski is a movie I hated the first mm -hmm. time, and I love the Coens because it just it kept. I thought it was telling me it was going to be a you know a mystery that it was going to go towards some sort of solution, and of course it never does. And I found that confounding. And then, of course, the second time you see it, you know it's you know where it's going. Well, sometimes you sometimes you just don't get something the first time you see it. Yeah, you know. And then there's that. Yeah. It, yep. it, but some of the movies that I have become my favorites, even directors, are people that I really didn't like that much when I was, you know, in college. I just thought sure. this, they weren't speaking to me. But then, you know, I wasn't. I'm not that same person now. So. And well, how much, Josh, in your case, how much of that was, do you think, marketing misleading you? Oh, no, because I didn't, I, I tend to, I try to avoid all that. I, I had a vague, you know, I knew, I knew enough about what it was about. And um, uh, it, it was just that um, it's so non-narrative. It's such a sort of series of just kind of, I kept waiting for a story to kick in that did not kick in. and. Um, I mean, for me, the, the the moment where I realized everything was different, the first time I saw it, I think I've said this before in the show, you know, Brad Pitt driving out to Panama City is fucking endless, and you're going, God, get there already. <laughs> and the second time I'm watching it, I'm going, yeah, take your time. This is <laughs> So in your case, it wasn't about going in not knowing anything. You wanted to know everything and then go back and rewatch it. I guess, or maybe I just kept feeling like I, there was part of me that just kept waiting for the plot to kick in, and it was sort of realizing there isn't really going to be one. Um, you know, except for the sort of wonderful thing at the end. Um, and, and once I sort of let go of that, I was able to, you know, throw, plus it's a, you know, it's an era I absolutely love. So just getting to Are kind you of. talking you about know, once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh yeah. No, <laughs> no I'm not talking gonna, about. You're going to apply that to Big Lebowski too though. I, I thought you were talking Glorious Bastard. Yeah, I, I love that period of the world. I just want to wander around with Nazis trying to kill me. I just, it's, uh, it's a cozy, warm feeling. You know the thing I was, I was bummed out about with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I loved the movie, um, but I felt like, I mean, it's not a spoiler. I think if you've, you've, hopefully everyone's seen it by now, but at the end, I really wanted to explore what Sharon Tate's life and her baby's life would have been and what could have happened to her and that mm -hmm. family and i felt like why end the movie there why isn't that like the start of the movie um well that's the start of the sequel yeah the sequel yeah. You know, twice twice upon a time in hollywood yeah and then there's a million lawsuits i guess because these are all real people but so wait so what happens so Brown polanski goes on to direct the dolphin joe and yeah i don't know no no chinatown 
I felt well, you don't know. It's still been Chinatown. We're going to make her survive. So I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to see what, what she would have done. But I, I also think it was a beautiful ending. And man, it's so cool when, when uh, the way that Brad Pitt and Leo take on those Manson girls, it's, yeah, and one of them, it's the girl helpful. that uh, that that Brad Pitt bashes her head in a million times at the end. That's one of my friends. So it was pretty cool watching her get beat up by <laughs> by, by Brad Pitt. <laughs> We're going to excise that and just put that one clip out. It's fun to watch my friend get beat up by Brad Pitt. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty awesome. I mean, there's humor in all of his films. Obviously, yeah, a great deal of it. Uh, that one just really got me, though. I think I feel like hmm. he's aware that it's his masterpiece too, considering the ending. Literally, Brad Pitt says, "This is my masterpiece." Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Always sign your work. Yeah, I think uh, the movie where you get so much out of it every time you watch it. There's always things that you missed, um, and also mm-hmm. my only experience watching Diane Kruger in anything, and I think she's excellent in it. And my probably my yeah. experience seeing Michael Fassbender too, who's wonderful, and Christoph Waltz. I mean, I think that movie just introduced me to a lot of iconic people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some really great actors in there. Okay, should I get another oh, one? Yeah, sure. Yeah, coming. What? Oh, gosh, I'm okay. Well, now I'm deciding between two. Deciding between Zoolander or Knocked Up. He's suave, debonair, so courageous, the epitome of cool, you rule, his name is Zoolander, Derek Zoolander, he's almost too good looking, international male supermodel, the style and the hair, you know, it's almost like the new afro for the white man, but behind those eyes, is a highly trained man of action. You rock. No, you rock. And perhaps the world's only hope of stopping a sinister assassination plot. Allison, Jack and I need to see you in his office. We were wondering whether or not you would be good for on camera. Really? <laughs> I know, I was so surprised too. Are you living your vision right I now? I am kind of living my vision. Wow, that is sad, I'm telling you. I got a promotion. Oh my God. Yay! Let's go celebrate. Woo. I'm Allison. I'm Ben. This is my friend Jason. I'm just trying not to stare. She's married. Shut up. You think that's going to stop him from hitting on her? It's not at all. <laughs> you believe this? I think he's doing the dice thing too much. That's really all he's got. <sighs> You're prettier than I am. <laughs> Do we have sex? Yeah. Nice. Hello. Hi, this is Allison. I don't know if you remember me. I have something I really need to tell you. I'm pregnant. With a baby? Yes. Then what are you hitting on me for? Ah, both both good yeah, films. Which one, which one do you guys like better? I think it makes a great right double feature. Oh. Good idea. <laughs> Zoolander knocked I, I, up. <laughs> how do you? How do you even? Because I mean, one one is. I mean, Zoolander is just absolutely hilarious. It's, so good. It's just it's ridiculous and hilarious. And knocked up is, you know, like that 
although sort of Judd Apatow period from that period kind of going for something larger and more serious, which um, uh, absolutely I respect. I think if I'm just looking for, you know, falling down on my ass and laughing, uh, I'd have to go with Zoolander. But but uh, how, about, how about you? I mean, I love them both equally, and I guess it's hard to compare them because they're so different. But for me, I love the simplicity of Knocked Up. Like the whole premise, really mm-hmm. just what if Seth Rogen got you pregnant? I mean, that's... <laughs> I can hear that at the pitch meeting now. <laughs> that's, that's it. And I love it. I love that there's nothing else to it like that is enough to explore for those two hours um and it's just fun like the amount of um uh nuance that that they were able to explore with such a uh i guess simple log line uh and i mean again this is i keep saying this but the acting is so great in it and it's all of those comedic powerhouses in the friend group and Mm -hmm. um that was really the movie that introduced me to leslie mann um who I didn't realize was his wife at the time. She's so fantastic. Katherine uh, Heigl's fantastic. I just, I think that movie is super solid and great and takes risks. And um, I'm trying to think like yeah. one of my favorite scenes, um, probably when they um, get to the gynecologist's office and she makes him walk. And <laughs> he shows up like sweaty and, and he's like, it's a boy, bring like, buy some pink shit. He gets so mad and uh, there's just the emotions and the stakes are so high in it. It's like just as high as stakes as, yeah. uh, as in any war movie or, you know, or at least it feels that way. Yeah. Well, that, that's the trick, isn't it? Is, is to make, uh, I mean, the stakes in your film, whatever they are, have to have to have, have weight. Um, well, it has to be the hardest matter. thing the person's gone through in their life up till that point. Otherwise, why are we watching? Yeah. Why are we watching this particular story then? Yeah. Yeah. I, the one, I don't know, I've always gone to this as a sort of a screenwriting thing, but, but, um, you know, yeah, you have to make those, uh, stakes matter. And, and the fact is if you, you know, for me, if you look at like Armageddon and I, I am so much less concerned with whether or not Bruce Willis and his buddies save the entire human race from a meteor <laughs> than I am about whether or not maybe Herman will get his bicycle back. Right. You know, that, that matter, that matters so much more. And um, that's that's when the movie's working, I think, when uh, the stakes feel that high. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to uh, think there's, like, movies where someone's, like, family gets murdered, but I don't necessarily care as much as, like, Seth Rogen yeah. shopping for a crib. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's when the movie's working. Were you a, um, or have you ever, have uh, Freaks and Geeks, were you a fan oh, of Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love Freaks and Geeks. So good. I also love how simple that show is. I, I think that's. Judd Apatow and Paul Feig's gift is just taking a very um, simple premise that everyone can relate to. I mean, one sentence really, and then making it funny and unique and special. I mean, that's a real gift right there. There's nothing like complicated happening. It's just like really um, well observed. Where Zoolander yeah. is completely complicated. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and that, you know, the world of male models, like what? And then like David Duchovny comes in as a character that was a hand model, but he injured his hand and his hand is in a piece of glass. And like, that's, that's actually a complicated movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, yes, you are correct. 
Um, and they're so good at it too. Oh my God. It's yeah. I think that's the, really the that. thread that connects all of my favorite comedies um, would be like the level of commitment coming from the lead actor or the lead actor. Oh. I think that's the, okay. because I mean, with Tropic Thunder and Best in Show and Zoolander, I mean, there's such extreme commitment coming from those actors. Like, not afraid. Yeah, no one. Yep. Not afraid to fall on their face. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, somehow never got the memo that this is very silly. Yeah. I mean, like, can you imagine doing those runway scenes in leather pants? And, like, if Zoolander bombed, if that if that yeah well, that would be so such an embarrassing thing to live down. <laughs> yes, yes. Can you imagine the blue magnum? Is that yeah? Can you what? I, I'm just saying. Can you imagine having to live that down if it was a failure? Uh, that's embarrassing, no. and they were willing to risk that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. That's I, I say you gotta you gotta give everybody involved with cats credit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They, they they took that risk. Took that risk. Also, um, Alexander Skarsgård is in it as one of uh, Zoolander's like doofus roommates, which is pretty cool. Upon rewatch, noticing the other people in it. Oh wow! Yeah, sort of before we noticed him, right? Yeah, exactly. He's a. Uh, I think he's one of the male models that dies in the gasoline incident. <laughs> <laughs> and, Yes, that's also one of the best scenes too. When uh, when Ben Stiller gives the eulogy, but he calls it a yagugly. <laughs> yeah, it's I love it so it's much. Great. It's so stupid. It's funny. No, I, I now now I now I want to go see it again. Tonight. I know. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll rewatch it too. It's that's the fun thing about quarantining. You have excuses to watch yeah. movies all the time. Exactly. Go back and catch up on stuff or review things. Um, but that's yeah, that's a marvelous film. But definitely your your movie again. Not to not to talk about your work too much, but um, <laughs> you know you you can see the connections to something like um, uh, Knocked Up and so forth, where it really is. I, I hope you don't think I'm doing a disservice. It's a very simple narrative. Totally. Uh, two girls, two girls who have dated the same guy, one who still is, become friends. Exactly. I but I'm a I'm a huge fan of uh of that type of story as yeah. you, as you can tell. So this real these really are the movies that made me. Um Clearly. uh and but same with the movie that Joey and I made before that. It's very simple premise. It's you know, what happens if uh a guy has cancer and he marries his girlfriend because he thinks he's gonna die. And then he survives and he's in a marriage and that he wasn't expecting to live through. <laughs> um, that was the oh. movie that we had made. And it, that premise is super simple. It's just, it's a guy actually surviving cancer instead of dying from it. And, um, and then taking that hour and a half to explore, you know, PTSD as opposed to like a world of, with a million characters and subplots, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Went off on it. <laughs> Oh, by the way, that's all we do here. It's a, it's a tangent show. Um, but what else do you have? Well, there's the room. The room is well, pretty, pretty great. A perfect world. These are for you. Thanks, honey. They're beautiful. A perfect life. I would do anything for my girl. I love you, Lisa. I love you, Johnny. 
surprise! He provides for you. Darling, you can't support yourself. I don't love him anymore. He didn't get his promotion. And he got drunk last night. And he hit me. It's not true. I did not hit her. Well, maybe you should have a girl, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I have one already. I don't know yet. We can't do this anymore. Johnny's my best friend. This will be our secret. Don't worry. You can trust me. We're expecting! <laughs> I'm your future husband. You sure about that? Please talk to me, please! You're having an affair with Lisa, aren't you? I need more from life than what Johnny can give me. She's a sociopath. She can't love anyone. There is no baby. I told him that to make it interesting. Oh, she's such a manipulative witch. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting our friendship. I treat you like a princess. And you stab me in the back. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Have you guys watched the room in a theater before with an audience? Yes, it's it, it's very it was it was very Rocky Horror show. Yeah. For, uh, it was my, my generation. Yeah. Um I think Dan Waters and I were at like the third ever showing of the room at the old Fairfax theater before, um, before the cult fully took off when it was still, um, you remember there were those billboards all over town yeah. for like a year. That was when I, that was the it, year I first started acting and I saw those billboards. Oh, uh, yeah. I saw those billboards go up and I remember always thinking, what is that? It's kind of weird. What the hell is that? It's, it was creepy, man. And um, yeah, we, we we saw it at the uh, the old Fairfax. Was it the Fairfax Cinema, Joe? That was called the one. Yeah, the one, one, on, the one on Fairfax, yeah. Cinema. It's still yeah, there, but it's all, yeah. it's all boarded up. And it was back back before, you know, it literally was like, I think, the second or third time it had it had screened. And oh, wow. uh, Tommy, Tommy had yet to um, uh, start trying to rebrand it as a comedy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it had all those blurbs on it, like more intense than Tennessee Williams. And then eventually they all came down and like funnier than Woody Allen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. We, and then we would take people to see it at the um, uh, the Sunset Five all the time when they started doing midnight shows. And I remember we were there for um, the first time Tommy Wiseau showed up to introduce the film. And he had not gotten fully comfortable with the reception of the thing. So he's standing up there maintaining that he had intentionally made this bonkers comedy. And I remember walking out of the theater to the bathroom halfway through and you'd walk around the back of the theater. And as I walked out, I noticed that Tommy himself was hunched down with his back against the last seat in the last row with his head in his hands while audiences were just howling with laughter at his. Oh, that's so sad. It, it was then. He seems to have pulled out of it all right. I think he's made. Some- I think he made it work for him. But he had, he had a whole other movie made about the making of the movie. Well, and I love that. And then that too. That that book, The Disaster Artist, is so great. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the reason why I love the room so much because it made me uh, enjoy reading as well. <laughs> that <laughs> that book is such a page turner, and uh, I also think that that movie is so special because of that kind of community experience you have in the theater. Um, I mean, I love watching yeah. horror picture show, but I'm also a sucker for a, a short runtime. So, <laughs> yes. So uh, the room is more my speed in terms of that having that theater experience. 
And what what was your first experience, your first time seeing it? Uh, I didn't know what to expect. I, I saw it, thankfully, in a movie theater instead of on my laptop or something. And I was completely unprepared, didn't bring the spoons or the football or anything. <laughs> I got hit in the head with the Nerf football. Um, I, I don't know. It was just the best. It was so funny. I think I was laughing the entire time in a way that I, I don't normally laugh, you know, when your cheeks hurt. Uh, yeah. So even though the filmmaking might not be <laughs> the most outstanding, it is such an outstanding experience, which I think is maybe more important. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I'm fascinated too by how it, I think it's impossible to replicate that experience intentionally too. Because um, I, I mean, there are, there are comedies that are funnier than the room for sure, but but the specific type of laugh that that movie uh, elicits on a regular basis is, is I think, so dependent on things going catastrophically wrong. It's like <laughs> for for real. The type of laugh that you get from watching outtakes or bloopers, like we were talking about, yeah. feels like something wrong. Yes. It's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Someone shouldn't be doing this, you know. But yet, if you don't see the movie with an audience, first time you see it, if you just see it on your computer. You just, there's that. nothing, there's nothing to get, right. you know. Could you imagine? Yeah, that must be really uncomfortable. I can't imagine watching it that way. Uh, maybe it'll be on my least favorite movies list if I had just seen. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm deciding between, I'll bring up one other because I was deciding between that one and, oh, I guess Austin Powers. In 1967, an international secret agent was cryogenically frozen in case the world ever required his services again. Now, evil is threatening the Earth, and the time has come to bring him back into the 90s. It's not unusual Allow myself to introduce myself. Danger Powers Personal Effects. Actually, my name is Austin Powers. Danger's my middle name. I was just curious if before you saw the picture, you were aware of the uh, the subgenres that it was making fun of, like the Armand Flint movies and the Italian spy movies and all those things that were so popular in the 60s. Uh, no, I, I think probably when I first saw Austin Powers, I was probably like six years old or something. So I don't think I had any idea that it was, you know, a parody. Uh, or satire or anything. And, but I think it's cool that it, it holds up for any audience. You know, you can know nothing and find it funny and you can know what it's based on and find it really funny. Um, and that's another great example of an actor fully committing. If the movie had failed, it would have been so embarrassing. But it succeeded and so he's applauded for that portrayal, which was <laughs> so outlandish. No, it's 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 wonderful. I'm I'm uh, I remember enjoying the first one very much, and the second one just blowing my mind. I, I don't know why. I love the second one the most of all. I think. Yeah, which is the one but, where he's uh, peeing in the he he gets unfrozen and he's peeing for forever. Is that the first one or the second one? Remember, I only remember I only remember Elizabeth Hurley and the Cantaloupes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing. Thing that he pulls off where every joke lands yeah um and as much as it mines all those movies with such specificity it does it in a way that doesn't um it doesn't shut the door on people who don't well but that's that's also true of young frankenstein you know mo sure. most people yeah, most people who love young frankenstein are really unaware of how careful like a copy it is 
of the 1930s Frankenstein movies, but that's that Mel likes. And so, you know, it's, it's out of that kind of devotion that he was able to do that picture and have it be so popular. And now most people have never heard of the original pictures, but they all, they all love young Frankenstein. Um, Hannah, I have to ask though, are you, uh, um, are you familiar with beyond the Valley of the dolls? I'm familiar. I haven't seen it though. So, um, you need to, at some point. Okay. I'm ready. Well, you can you just take you can get a refresher course by going on Trailers from Hell and just clicking on the Beyond the Ballet of Dolls commentary, right. commentary. which is, oh, by, is it by you. I think it's by you, isn't it? I think it's by me. Yeah. Yes, uh, but it's it's a you, you need to watch it with friends. Okay, um, it's astonishing film. Uh, it's it's Austin Powers liberally cribs from it, including one of my favorite lines of all time: "It's my happening," and it freaks me out. <laughs> But it's the greatest movie ever made about the '60s that didn't quite exist, right? Um, and, oh, and written by Roger E. Add to my list, definitely. But watch it with friends. I don't want to, um, you know, if, uh, uh, and definitely do it in in the most sort of uh, casual, like you know, drink some beer, do whatever. But it's well, it's you will. I've actually never seen Gremlins, and I feel terrible admitting that to you. But I've actually been waiting to watch it with a group of friends. And so I think I have to just get friends in order to watch the thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should get friends anyway. It's good, it's good to have friends. It's good to have friends. Yeah, yeah. I, recommend it. I recommend it. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm, Gremlins has been on my list forever. I have to watch it. I'm so excited to watch it. I don't know why I haven't yet, but I'm beyond stoked. So I'll watch Gremlins and Valley of the Dolls soon. <laughs> and, then, and then make sure Gremlins 2 with a large group of friends, definitely. Great. Love it. That's <laughs> For sure. What so? What was the other one you were thinking of? Oh, we were talking about Growing Austin Powers. Austin. Talking about Austin Powers. <clears throat> I think if there's uh, anything worth uh, adding, I will say uh, a lot of movies. Uh, since my mom was an actress, um, when she she started at six, and so every movie I saw, um, I was introduced to by my mom, and she always had some like kind of commentary on it, like. Um, Austin Powers, she had worked with that director on his first play, uh, Jay Roach. And then, um, you know, we watched uh, Bruce Almighty and Liar Liar, and she had worked with Tom Shadyac um, on his student film, his thesis film at USC, I think it was. So a lot of the movies that I watched uh, when I grew up had this filter of, oh, these are real people that are making them, and these are things that you can actually do. Um, Oh, so uh, I think that's a that's a big reason that Austin Powers impacted me like that. Just uh, watching a movie where you heard a story about the person that made it makes you realize that you can too do it. If that makes sense, I wasn't very yeah. articulate. I just explained that, but it's a totally different experience as a kid watching a movie like that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I can't remember when I first started realizing that people were responsible for these. No, things. when we were, when we were kids, we used to think the actors made it all up, and and uh, yeah. you know, there was no such thing as directors or editing or anything like that. <laughs> that's probably right. a better way to watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that period where you think that movies are made just by like it's just made for you, <laughs> just following people around with a camera and catching these moments, yeah. <laughs> which is hard to do with westerns and you know science it fiction. Is, yeah. And the period piece they just went back in time, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I don't even know. My girlfriend used to think that uh, when uh, when the Red Sea parted, that all the extras were drowned, and she kept thinking, "Why? Why would Why would anybody agree to do that?" 
<laughs> but she was very little. What about movies that are claymation? How did those get made? I, yeah, I don't know. I, it wasn't a fully formed worldview. Yeah. We didn't, I didn't actually spend a lot of time thinking about it. Yeah, I don't know why I'm trying to analyze this. <laughs> but yeah, that's interesting. Because if you grow up around it, you you have that uh, that insight very early on. Um, yeah, I don't know what I thought. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I was aware on some level that this was fiction. And I guess if you, know, you put a gun to my head, I'd have to assume somebody planned it out. But I don't know. It just sort of happened in front of you. That's so funny. Yeah, my experience of watching movies as a little kid was just so different because my mom would be like, I auditioned for that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that guy's an asshole. Yeah, but it's probably why I'm, you know, making things. So thank goodness. You exactly. To movie like that. Sure. Cool. Do you have any? Do you have any more for us? Or is that, okay. Uh, uh, well, I'd say. Oh, I have a lot more, but I don't know how to prioritize. Should I just throw a couple out? And if you guys, sure, throw a couple okay. out. Let's throw uh, a few against the wall. We have a few old. Uh, obvious child, forgetting Sarah Marshall, Harold and Maude. <laughs> to make an ass out of themselves. You can't let the world judge you too much. And if you want to be me, be me. And if you want to be you, be you. So interesting. Because um, Harold Maud is is the only thing, I think, or am I blanking, something you brought up that's, that, that goes back more than a few decades. Mm -hmm. And it is a very, um, I mean, it, it's, it's a, it, as dated as it is, as rooted in a time, it has always felt very contemporary too. I'm wondering, you know, do you, why, why do you think that one sticks out for you so much? Well, it's such a solid two-hander. I mean, those are just both really mm. great characters and it hinges and lives and dies on them and their relationship. And anytime a movie can pull that off, it's really, really special. Like I don't really remember any of the other characters other than them um, because they're so dynamic right. and important. Uh, and then just the the use of uh, of camera work in that movie. All the zooms are really, really well done and really stuck with me. The visuals of that movie um, feel really ingrained in anyone that's watched it. And I just have special experiences seeing that movie because I've gone and seen it in theaters whenever it's come back for some kind of tribute screening. Mm -hmm. And I had, you know, my my first date with my my boyfriend was going to see it, and so. It becomes special because of that. Had um, had he seen it before? Yeah, we both had already loved it, so it okay. was a pretty. So here, cute here. what would have happened? <laughs> what would have happened if you were taking him to a screening of Harold and Maude, and it was his first time, and he hated it? You know, I think I would have welcomed that because I I like disagreeing. It's fun. It, then you have something to talk about. You, <laughs> I like. Okay. It's uh, I think it's good to have different opinions on things but i don't know does that color your thinking about anyone if if you don't like the same movies as them does it kind of change your view of them it's 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 you know it's the mary the, the caravel mary madeline thing you know how can these two people live together when they're completely opposite uh and uh it, it, to a degree that can be true of movies particularly if you're 
you know, totally enamored of some particular movie and is have such an emotional investment in it. And then you show it to somebody because that's part of the fun of movies is showing them to your friends and, and totally. you know, sharing the experience. Yeah. And if you, and if it doesn't work, it's, it's inevitably disappointing. I mean, you're always disappointed when somebody doesn't love a movie that you love. That's really true. I guess if someone just doesn't get it, then that's really frustrating. But if someone has an opinion about it where we can then discuss it, then it's exciting. But yeah, if someone doesn't, sure. doesn't get it and doesn't, isn't engaged with it, then that sucks. Well, yeah, because it just disappoints. It disappoints you on a level of, oh, I thought I understood that about that person and that they yeah. understood this about me, but I see that they don't. Totally. You know. And there are, I've, I don't think I've ever sat down specifically with the plan of, I'm going to test you. Um, but I have every now and then there have been ones. I remember um, Nancy, my wife and I had just started dating and we went to a screening of the Werner Herzog Bad Lieutenant and Herzog and Nicolas Cage were there doing a Q&A and it was just one of the greatest things ever. And we walked out of the movie and she absolutely loved the film and thought the Q&A was the greatest thing ever. And I remember thinking, Oh wow, if she had hated that. That that would have been debilitating to me. It hadn't even occurred to me, but I could see somebody, you know, not going for Bad Lieutenant and Nicolas Cage and uh, um but you know, on the whole I said no one got married. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. We have widely her favorite movie is Love Actually. I don't know what to do about that. That's right. His favorite his favorite movie is is a Nicolas Cage movie as well, but we hardly ever like to mention the title because we've plugged we it so many times on this oh, show. Are you you're talking about Mandy? Yes, of course. <laughs> Hardly an episode goes by. Uh -huh. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we watch we watch Love Actually every couple of years for her birthday or Valentine's Day, and it's like I'm I'm working I'm working on it. someday I'll. Oh come on, just for the Bill Nye scenes alone, it's you know he's great. He's of course great. But, well, um, it, it really how, who you watch something with for the first time completely colors your experience of it. Like for me, I saw you know that. Friedkin movie, the recent one, uh, somewhat recent, uh, Killer Joe. Yeah. Well, I saw that movie with my dad. And, oh, God. And uh, as a teenager, <laughs> it was a teenager when it came out, and we went and saw it. I just thought, oh, it's Matthew McConaughey. It's, you know, the iconic director. Um, that really, I mean, I was cringing the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I'm cringing just thinking and now, about I'm it. Like, I don't remember anything that happened in that movie other than the fact that Gina Gershon is like, eating orange chick fried chicken off of his penis or I don't know what she's so, <laughs> it was so horrifying to me just because I had watched it with my dad and same with watching blue is the warmest yeah. color I saw blue is the warmest color in a theater um and I was just it was a packed theater I was unprepared to watch that that um that very graphic scene next to a bunch of like strangers I don't know. It just really changed the experience. I, I remember sitting, like, being in my feet like this. <laughs> Note she is shrinking down out of frame. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think I ended up on the floor by the end. <laughs> I, I remember my dad, my sister, um, who's much younger than me, was obsessed with Twin Peaks when it was on TV. And when the movie came out, uh, my dad, as she was, I think, 15, took her to see it. 
And I have to imagine that that was the most uncomfortable two movie theater seats in the entire universe. Yeah, I haven't, um, I haven't seen Twin Peaks. I didn't realize there was a movie. I've seen the first couple episodes. It's called It's called Fire Walk With Me. And uh, it is, if you haven't seen the TV show, it makes absolutely no sense. Makes absolutely no sense. And the scene where she's having sex with Bob and Bob turns into her father is not a scene that any teenage girl would want to be sitting no. Not any father no. would want to be sitting next to his teenage. I mean, it's just, oh, God. That is horrifying. So, yeah, I've watched some so naughty movies with my parents. So I, I can usually handle a lot. But I think Killer Joe was X rated, and I draw the line at, at, at X. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think particularly where your parents are concerned, I think that's very wise. <laughs> very much so. Um, wow. Uh, well, Hannah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank for you. Coming Thanks on. for this having. Great. Thanks for interrupting. Yeah, your, no, interrupting your uh, your sequester. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm just taking up you... from watching movies to talk about movies, so it's. Uh... It's pretty great. I'm so honored to to be on your podcast. And thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you. Um, it, oh, it was a blast. Thank you. Movie again. Yeah, Banana Split will have opened by the time you hear this. Although, what, where, what, how is that working? What's oh, is that so our theatrical release got canceled due to coronavirus, uh, which was pretty sad. We were excited because we were going to be in 51 cities, so that was a big win. But now it doesn't matter. Yeah. But it's also really great because now it's digital and on demand, and uh, hopefully it reaches more people that way, and um, and hopefully it helps uh, some escapism in this crazy time. But I'm not really sure yeah. the exact platforms. I'm a terrible spokesperson in that sense. I think it's probably Apple TV and Amazon and that that type of stuff. Oh, I'm sure it'll be uh, it'll be visible. I hope. Yeah, it'll definitely be visible. It's, it's a delightful film. I'm not I, a delightful. It's a terrible role. It's a really good film. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely gets the. Uh, I'll take delightful. That's a perfect word. Thank you. <laughs> okay, good. I, I don't know, there's something about delightful. It just feels like something you say when you're trying to get out of a screening without telling your friend their movies. I don't know. <laughs> I've been doing this too long. It is delightful, but it's also really good. Thank you very much. If you don't like the movie after your friend's screening, you go up to them and you say, you've done it again. <laughs> again. Or, you, or you say, great color. Doesn't doesn't work if it's black and white. Yeah. Um, well, hey, thank you. Good luck thank with the film. Um, yeah, come come back when the next one comes out. Yes, we'll we'll come run back. through some more movies with you. Thanks so much, guys. It was delightful. We'd like to see you in person someday. Yeah, that's on cool. Yes, come into the when we do it, you'll come in and do it in the studio. But uh, thank you. We both love soup. Our show was recorded in beautiful downtown Burbank. The official podcast of trailersfromhell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. 
If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.